Good morning, everybody. Hope everybody's well. Happy Tuesday for those that are here live. Happy whatever day, whatever day of the week it is for you. Thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. We've been talking yesterday about this idea of the narrative, the narratives that drive us, the things that move us. When we hear stories, stories that get passed down, stories that inspire us, it's really not the facts of the story that inspire us. We really, unless you love boxing, it's not really about the fact that Rocky Balboa punched somebody in the face. There's something deeper, the narrative of the story of overcoming challenge that inspires us. One of the, I was, when I wrote uh, Unlocking Greatness, I wrote it uh, with a great guy named Mark D'Agostino. He was so helpful to me. Mark D'Agostino wrote Rudy's book. Rudy, for those who haven't heard of Rudy Rudiger, explained to me what it was like to write Rudy's book, what that did. For people all over the world. It was about a guy that wanted to play football. Didn't really play much. But the story of overcoming challenges, our story. Let's, let's delve a little bit deeper and let's continue this conversation. The reason why narrative is so powerful is because what it does, much like what I'm just creating the parallel for those that are that are joining us that have been listening a little bit to the, to the last week or two. Remember we spoke about how just like speech is like the package that delivers thought. The facts of a story is the package that delivers narrative. I also want to become great. I also have challenges. I also feel like I can't. I also feel like the world in front of me is overwhelming to me. That's the narrative of what I think is going on in my life today. When you tell me a, a story of somebody who played a snap of football and overcame everything to do that, I'm not moved because I love football. I'm moved because I love that storyline. I love that narrative. And now that narrative attaches through the facts of the story into my head and it gets unpacked and the narrative moves me. And why is it so critical for? Because it's narrative that allows us to define our lives. Let me explain. There's great research done by a man named Marshall Duke. Marshall Duke is a, is a researcher that was trying to understand why certain families show resilience. There are some families that stick together through everything. Some families, it seems as if like they stub their toe and the family breaks apart. There's some families that through thick and thin, they're all holding hands and some family are killing each other, even when life is totally what seems like fine. And he was researching the resilience in families and talking to his wife about it, his wife, Sarah. And Sarah actually was an expert in kids with learning disabilities. And they thought, let's collaborate. Let's figure out what it takes for kids. Like, what, what is it that makes certain kids resilient? Kids have learning disabilities, start off in this world in a learning environment. There are people with learning disabilities that are just killing it in life, but you got to get through school first. So when you're like in fourth grade or seventh grade, they're always talking about you. 
Trust me, I know people with learning disabilities that are doing just fine in life. As soon as they graduated high school, they're good. But until they got that diploma. So these kids are struggling through an educational system. So they teamed up. And they gave out a questionnaire to their students about their family history. It's called, Did You Know? And they found something fascinating. They found that the more the kids knew their family history, the more they showed resilience. Then 9-11 hit. And that was like, forget about it. Now they had these kids struggling, forget learning disabilities. And they extended their research to figure out why certain kids were resilient and certain weren't. And what they found was something fascinating. That it wasn't just that you knew your family's history. That was like ABCs. If you didn't know your family's history, then I guess you didn't get into the game even. But if you were in the game and you knew your family's history, your family's history created a certain level of resilience on a condition. They identified there were three sort of like meta-narratives families had three types of narratives listen to this this is awesome the first is called the ascending narrative where we started low and now we're ascending high we came to this country with nothing your father worked in a store your grandfather worked in a store right worked to put your uh, your, your parents through school, your, your father went to school, right? Became a professional, right? We moved from this neighborhood to that neighborhood, this thing to that thing, and we're ascending, living the American dream. The American dream in many ways is the symbol of the ascending story. We came with nothing and now we have so much. The second narrative is the descending story. We had so much and then the depression hit and we lost it and we still haven't recovered. We had so much and then this happened and this happened and then we've been tumbling down. Usually this includes blaming other people. You see this narrative throughout America sometimes. Our country was amazing before this group of people walked in. You hear this story? They're the ones that is the cause of our ruin. It was all perfect before then. You see this also with, with uh, sometimes you see people, like they blame things. Before the internet, everything was perfect. Relationships lasted forever. Everyone had respect. We're descending. And what they found was that both of these narratives seem to not really translate to massive amounts of resilience. And you can sort of speculate why right if you're if your family narrative if your family history if you're a kid in the seventh grade and you know your family history which is amazing and you know that your great-grandfather or grandfather came to this country and then your parents stepped up guess what happens when you hit a wall in school you're going to be the one to break the chain right so there's a lot of stress you see this with people when Academics is a big deal. Your father went to Columbia. Your grandfather went to Columbia, right? 
you see the descending story also not being so great. Woe is us. I knew it. They're all liars and cheaters. It, 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 they've been taking us. This, that person gets special privileges, not you. But there's one story, there's one narrative that seems to have created an incredible amount of resilience. And that narrative is called the oscillating narrative. Ups and downs, ups and downs. We came in here and we were down and we got up and then this happened and then we picked ourselves up. This person's struggling and this person's winning, you know, your aunt, your uncle, your grandfather, your father, in Europe, it was like this. In the Middle East, it was like this. We came to our country like this. Ups and downs, ups and downs, ups and downs. You know as you know your history. And your history has ups and downs. And that they found was this incredible gift that kids have. That's right. The author was Bruce Feller. He was a guest on the Boost. Wow. The author of this article is Bruce Feller. New York Times. Amazing. He was a gift on the Momentum Boost in 20 in August. The oscillating narrative is a narrative that somebody hears and knows that in their past there were highs and there were lows. And why is this so critical for? How come knowing your history is so important, especially if that history is real? We had ups, we had downs. What does that have to do with what's in front of you right now? And the answer is, is that our brains are really limiting. It's powerful beyond all measure, but we have to understand that our brains was designed in many ways to... to to survive, we have to add greatness, like we said, but we have to understand where our brains is limited. One of the great mistakes that we make in life is that we think that our brains are is that our brain is unlimited in its current capacity. It has unlimited potential, but it's limited. It's biased. We think that because we don't get it, it doesn't exist. Because we don't understand God, they're, 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 you, I speak to people like this. But how could it be? But how could it be? Like what they're saying is, if I can't understand God, if I can't take the divine and stick the divine all the way into my brain, then the, the divine must not exist. We we think that if I don't understand your position, your position must be wrong. I know everything there is to know about a subject because I have experienced that subject for 20 plus years. So I know the subject. It, it doesn't dawn on us that even my experience is only a small little drop of the ultimate experience of any particular thing. The more we think our brains are unlimited, the harder it is to navigate through life. That's why if you, those who are involved in the business world, interviewing is largely a total, total random experience. Science shows that if you interview somebody, you might as well throw a dart against the board. Because if you're interviewing them based on your gut, your gut is super biased. I don't know if we did this here, but priming, I don't know if we did the story here. I'm not sure. Did we talk about priming here? 
and they did these studies on interviewers. This is a great, just to show you how limiting our brain is. We, they did these, these studies, I don't think, we did these studies on interviewers, fascinating stuff, just to show you how limiting your brain is. So these interviewers went to interview people, right? And they got in their elevator, they went up to their room and they interviewed. So for half the group, they gave them uh, hot cups of coffee to hold. Like, do me a favor, can you mind? Guys, like, sure, just take this up for me, of course. Hot cup of coffee, rides the elevator, sits down. Minute, three minutes with a hot cup of coffee. What happens if you're holding a hot cup of coffee three minutes? You get warmer. It's hot. Then they did the same thing. The studies, obviously enough time for the study to be real, with a, a cup of iced coffee. And they were colder. And they found that the, the 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 warmth or the coldness of each coffee, which got into like the sort of like the, the bones of the person holding it for those few minutes, and they sat down to interview, impacted how they saw the candidate. Because if I walk in and I'm comfortable and I see you, I sort of like you a little bit more. And if I walk in and I'm uncomfortable and I see you, I sort of am a little more annoyed. I thought I was interviewing the candidate. I had no idea that you were priming me in a study and the candidate was irrelevant. I was... I had no idea that I was the study. The more we realize that our brain is limited, the better we become in life. Let me tell you that. The more you realize that you can do very little, the better you can put people around you that can do what you can't do. The better we, the more we humble ourselves that we don't know everything, the more we connect to other people, the more we don't judge people. The more we realize that our brain is just lot, mostly in potential the better we connect and we get more out of life that way. But one of the areas that our brain is, is really limiting is in our memory. We don't remember a lot. We think we remember a lot, but we don't. Think about 10 years ago. I don't remember 10 years ago. I remember maybe a holiday, maybe a life event. Maybe I could find a moment and remember everything around the moment. Maybe you can remind me something in my neuroplasticity. Maybe. But like, unless you're like a savant, you don't go back to like, you know, March 16th, 2010. You're like, oh yeah, it was sunny that day. I can't believe I didn't have enough checks in the morning for breakfast, but you know, I'm happy I had at the end of the day and the train came late. What? I don't even know what you're talking about. Something could jog a memory. So how do you remember things? So there's anchors that we use. That's why holidays or events are major because mm-hmm. holidays provide anchors throughout your, your life. You remember where you were last, maybe Passover or last New Year's or whatever holidays that you take seriously. A life cycle, a birthday. Everyone knows where they were when the pandemic hit. Everyone knows where they were when 9-11 hit. Like when there's something massive that imprints into your mind. But typically, we don't remember. But how do we create memories how do we put our pieces together so one way in which we remember things or at least as we look back we can i would say color things is based on narrative the narrative of our lives almost serves as like a string in which memories hang on so that we can make sense of our lives when we look back if we if we succeeded at something let's say we look back and we remember it much more brighter. If we got into the school that we wanted to, we look back at our tests and we're like, oh man, I know it was hard, but we pulled out. It wasn't so hard. If 
high school was an, an experience they remember positively. We look back and remember the positive aspects of school. But if we failed, we look back, well, I can't believe I did that. That was ridiculous. I, the, the narratives of our lives shape the meaning we give our memory. So if we were built with this narrative that was given to us, believe it or not, that you'll overcome, you'll make it. There's always tomorrow. There are ups and there are downs. The memory that we have of ourselves and even our families is it'll be okay. We had ups and we had downs. And so when I look into the future, how do I judge the future? I have imagination, but imagination is over the hill. What do I use to deal with what's in front of me? I use my memory. My memory is what's helping me figure out how to process right the second. I know how to get down the block because of my memory of what's on the block. So my knowledge of how to navigate this particular crisis in my life is only because it reminds me of some other thing that looks just like this. And we got through it. And if my memory is saying to me, this looks somewhat familiar and we made it, I will be able to muster up the courage that I've always had inside me, but emotionally I was blocking to get through it. But if my memory tells me the last time I got this, I didn't get through it. I'm blocking the emotions and saying, well, I don't think I can do it. Yeah, for those who are on the chat, we can in the book. I have a whole thing on on uh, eyewitnesses. We can do. I'm. We can talk about how fallible eyewitnesses are. But what's determining your memory if you don't have a perfect memory? And the answer is your narrative. The narratives that are told to us, and the narratives that we tell ourselves is actually what we use to make sense of the past and make sense of the present. Those narratives are, are who we are. That's how we process the world. If you grew up in a narrative of, yes, we can, you're going to overcome challenges more than the person that grew up in the narrative, no, we can't, even if you have the exact same abilities. Because the narrative of yes, we can will make sense of yesterday and you will use it to process what's in front of you right now. If you grow up in the narrative of, I can't do that. I can't be that. Those people are in charge. Wait in line. Great. You can't create things that don't exist. As Albert Einstein once said, if your ideas are first not considered absurd, they have no hope. It's a narrative. Oh, it's absurd. I got, I, now it's got a chance. Someone else's narrative is, oh, it's absurd. I knew it was absurd. I'm sorry for even trying. We'll talk about this. When a kid grows up and knows that in his family, we had ups and downs. We win and lose, and we're still here. When the kid has it down, he goes, it's okay. We've had downs before. 
we'll go up again. Let's keep on pushing. He doesn't know where it comes from. His, his, the collective memory, the collective narrative of his life is part of how life works. The narratives that we tell ourselves. Now remember, we did this last week and we will continue. Facts are just sharing narratives. I want you for a few minutes today to listen to how people talk and listen to how you your own talk, how you, who, how you, how you speak. That's probably the more grammatically way of saying that. When I tell stories, when I think of stories, when I stand in front of a challenge and my brain tells me a story of what's gonna happen, what's the narrative? Is it like this, ups and downs, but we're always, there's always hope? Is it down? What is the narrative that underlines the stories that maybe I was told growing up? The stories that maybe I tell the people around me? You know that narrative? We could, we could do, we, I, we, I can't even start. Tomorrow, we got to continue talking about narratives. All right. Just think. Just watch. Watch the narrative underneath our thinking, underneath the stories we tell, underneath how we are dealing with the current environment we begin to realize just how much our minds are being prepped for success or prepped for failure. All right, everybody, have an amazing day. And with God's help, I cannot wait to see you again tomorrow. Have a great day.